2: Hot Snakes is a ferocious rock and roll band that originally hails from San Diego, California. After releasing three perfect punk rock albums between 1999 and 2004, Hot Snakes broke up in 2005, but began touring again in 2011. They also wrote some new songs together recently and are back with an absolutely incredible new record called Jericho Sirens, which is out via Sub Pop Records. On March 19th, 2018. A few weeks ago, I had an extensive conversation with singer and guitarist Rick Froberg all about the band's new album, each and every song. We also talked about where the band went and why they're back. Sponsored by Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, and Planet of Sound locations in Ottawa and Toronto, this is the 383rd episode of Creative Control. Featuring Rick Froberg of Hot Snakes with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Sirens,
3: hear, sirens, hear, Hi, Rick, how's it going?
2: It's very well. How are you? I'm pretty well. I'm okay. Yeah, it's nice to uh, speak with you again. Where in the world are you today?
1: I'm at home. I'm just uh, at home uh, doing interviews
2: and uh, doing my laundry upstairs. <laughs> That's good multitasking. Where Where is home these days? I live in New York. I live in Brooklyn. Oh, you're back in Brooklyn. I didn't know that. There you go. See, I I, I just assumed you were. In- I, I never really. I I I I, I mean, I
1: I I've gone a lot, but I don't. Uh, I've never. I've, I've lived here for 20 years, so okay. I, haven't, I haven't moved anywhere.
2: Okay, cool. And Brooklyn, yeah. Brooklyn is—is is it snowy? It's very snowy here. It's like crazy snowy.
1: No, it's it's clear. It's actually not that bad today. It's uh, it's not warm, but it's uh, it's um, I can't complain. It's February.
2: Okay. <laughs>
1: okay. <Or is> it-
2: <laughs> well, uh, as you know, I'm a tremendous fan of the band Hot Snake, so I'm glad uh, uh, everything's back and you know after the tour i got to see some of the the reunion reanimation tour back in what was that four no wait 2012 was when it started started i think i saw that
1: i I don't say 11 2011 or 10 i don't i don't remember yeah yeah
2: yeah i think i the shows i saw were all in uh yeah calgary and montreal and toronto i think in 2012 as i recall and uh and now there's a record um just to catch people up and go back in time a little bit. Uh, if I recall, the band ended two thousand four, two thousand five. Why did the band initial? Is that right? Am I right? Am I right about that?
1: Five, five, I think five.
2: Yeah, two thousand five. Yeah. So why did the band end initially? Is it something you can articulate at this point? I think we were
1: just we just wanted to stop for a while, so we did. Um, I. I uh, Regar saying, oh, I don't really, i do not like doing this right right now at the moment. Um, he had something else going on. And
2: I think they were like, yeah, you know, we'll just, we'll stop. That okay. We Simple as that, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't really, I don't really have any. Uh, there's no, there's no uh, like dramatic backstory that I can give you that would make it more interesting. But that's, <laughs> you know, fans, stop, All of them. They should. So, I mean, I mean, you, you know, if you, if you get reach a point where you're getting kind of burned out on something, you should stop.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so, similarly, when it returned in, you know, I guess five, six, six, seven years later or whatever it was, I guess we agreed it was, yeah, around six years later, again, yeah. natural thing? Was it just like, yeah, let's just do it again?
1: No, we were asked to play uh, at an ATP by lasavi Favre, at an ATP in England, and um, it was, sounded like fun. It's not going to pay us good, so I, uh, I, I, they asked. I, I'm, I'm kind of friends with some of those guys, and they asked me, and then I asked the rest of them, and everyone said, "Yeah, let's do that." So we did it, and it was really it was really fun. Um, and we realized uh, we, we 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 missed it, and we had a good time doing it.
2: Right. Okay. That that's simple enough. Now you, by my reckoning, you have played music with John Reese since you were basically both kids. Uh, and until Hot Snakes, I mean, Hot Snakes ended, and then Obit started, and then I think prior to that, most of the bands you were in featured uh, John was a collaborator, right? Generally,
1: yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, any of the serious ones? I mean, yeah,
2: yeah. So after that, Hot Snakes reanimation tour ended. Uh, you I know,
1: was it called? Was it called a reanimation
2: tour? No, David Yao called the Jesus Lizard thing the reanimation tour and i i can't stop saying it what <laughs> is it oh, our, okay. oh, cool. <laughs> it's a reunion tour he he kept calling it the reanimation tour and i just can't stop sh- i can't shake That's it
1: that that sounds cooler than reunion tour yeah At least it's less been less used
2: <laughs> yeah it's like zombies or something i think he thought of it as you know <laughs> back to life right. <laughs> so uh where i was you know after that uh that hot steak stuff ended uh for that time anyway you were in a band called Obits, and then you left Obits, and 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 then you and John started playing together again in Drive Like Jehu. And it strikes me that you know you and John have each spoken really highly of each other in the press to me uh, in the past. Did the experience of playing in Obits and then in Hot Snakes and Drive Like Jehu again did uh, did all of that illuminate anything particularly special about your dynamic with John?
1: Um. Probably, I, I, I don't know uh, how. I mean, I, I, my admiration for John or my my friendship with John hadn't really diminished or anything like that. I, I was I was in a different band, um, but it wasn't because um, you know, the heck with this guy. It was just because uh, uh, I don't know. Um, I just wanted to start a band with my friends here, so that's what we did. Yeah. Um, it, it, as far as yeah, I, I, it's it's. Nice to work with them, and, and having been in a, a different band for a while, and he was in Night Marchers and doing all these other things. Is, you know, once we, we come back to this, um, we bring those other things with us that we learned or uh, got into doing in the other bands. So that's, it. Uh, I think, it's good that way.
2: Is there a kind of? I mean, I'm 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 applying kind of external observations to this relationship, and I know it's a personal one, but. Is it is it sort of effortlessness? Is there an effortlessness to your getting together and playing? Like, does it just feel like home, so to speak?
1: Uh, we're just friends, like anybody else is friends. I mean, we, it's um, and we like to be you know, in together. I guess. I mean, um, I kind of we kind of have the same taste and stuff. Yeah. I mean, not exactly, but um, we both think we like this kind of music. I mean, at least making it, uh, we think there's a kind of a lack of it. Um. Or a lack of the things that we like out there to go see and hear. So we, I guess, are trying to fill that void just kind of doing ourselves. I don't know if it's really exactly, it doesn't really come out exactly like, you know, the things you listen to or that you'd like to hear if it comes out you. But um,
2: anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I hear you. <laughs> uh, it, it, yes, yeah, it's just—it's
1: just—it's just yes. It's, it's, just, it's, just, yeah, it's just a relationship like any other relationship. You have—you have if you have friends you collaborate with, and you like it, it works good, uh, then yeah, you might as well keep doing it. Why not?
2: But I'm sure you know of bands that are doing it still because it's like a business. They have less of a, a social dynamic. They just keep doing it because they kind of have to. But that's not the case with you guys. You guys are doing it because you're buds, right?
1: Sure, but I mean, if, if we were just buds, I mean, I, I, I'm just buds with a lot of people. So there's, so there's, there's, a, there's definitely a whatever, a, an art element to that, not just a um, buds, buddy road trip. Let's go hang out, kind of. Thing. If it's uh, it's certainly yeah, I, mean, I mean we like we have some of the same objectives, so or we both like the same thing. We both like like playing rock and roll and, and, um, happy to play with other people, happy to play with John, you know?
2: Yeah, no, sure. I I think the point of the question is, does it come easier playing with John than it might playing with other people?
1: Well, it comes easier with John because John's really, really good at what he does as well as, you know, Jason and Gar and Mario. These people are all, to me, amazing So it it does come easier, yeah, in that sense. I mean, they're just, John's the best, you know, I mean, I think.
3: Yeah.
2: Now, over the years, since you guys brought those bands on the road, I've asked you and John questions about writing new Hot Snakes or Drive Like Jehu songs, and the answers from both of you were usually, I don't know, who knows, we'll see, we don't know. I'm just curious, was it more than uncertainty? Were you guys ever apprehensive? to actually write new hot snake songs for any reason
1: no I mean it's just like once you do that you're opening up the whole can of worms and you have to you know if you're gonna write the songs, you have to go play them you should put a record out you should do all these things and that, that that's that's a commitment and it, it uh, means you're gonna be you're gonna be working on that for a while so that's that's and that's what happened so it just takes a while to get that all organized everybody had a, a to sew up and uh, you know, musical and personal and all those things, so um that's why it took as long as it did for us to actually make a record. I mean the record's been done for a while it just takes it also takes a long time to come out. It's just the way it is,
3: yeah, but yeah,
2: now, in terms of these you know where these Jericho siren songs came from, did any of this material start to come into fruition while you were doing these? You know the reunion tours, or was it was it all stuff you worked on? You know, got together and worked on once all that uh, touring was done.
1: No, it, it it didn't start until after that. We just we just decided to do it, and um, and we got together and just focused on that. We didn't we didn't like you know write songs during sound check when we we're playing on the reunion tour. Oh, the reanimation
2: tour. Sorry, <laughs> have you have you grown fond of this reanimation? It's good, yeah, it's good. I like it, I like it too, yeah. That guy's good. <laughs> the band, as, as far as I know, the band initially began with music that John and Jason were sort of jamming on together, and then Hot Snakes emerged out of that uh, at some point. I'm curious, how did the writing? work for these new songs. Uh, I know in the past, John has come up with guitar parts and kind of brought them to people. Did that happen again? Uh, was, was, was the music kind of stemming from John in I, some ways? I just
1: I think initially I just sort of flew out there and and played with John. We just kind of wrote some things or whatever, and then we all got together in Philadelphia, I think, and we decided that we were not just going to get together, but we were going to actually... Record some songs, so we made sure that it, 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 we we would we would get together, um, get a, get at least enough songs to go and record the next, you know, a couple of days. We we just we just did it. We went. We just hit
2: it. So it was primarily you and John that initialized these songs.
1: It's it's that well. It's everybody. I mean, you have to have you have to have everybody together, and you can you can have a, a part or something like that, and you try it out, and oh, it doesn't work that good. Right. So it's 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 really pretty, it's pretty much a group thing.
2: Okay. Now, one of the other uh, unique things about this record is that, at least based on the publicity photos I've seen, it would seem that both drummers, the original drummer, Jason, and uh, the person who replaced him, Mario, they both seem to be involved in the record, at least in the promotional cycle, which uh, is interesting in itself. Are they both actually on the record? They both are, yes. Huh? That see, that's that's pretty interesting to me. Like, how did that work? Do they each pick their own songs, or do they play on some songs together? Uh, yeah, how did that work?
1: Uh, they play separately on on, on different songs, um, and some of the songs were written with Mario, and some were written, written with Jason. I think there's three on the record with Mario and, and seven with Jason.
2: Okay. Well, I mean, I, I know they both, you know, spent time in the band. Um, was having them both involved in the new record. Sort of a historical decision? Was it just you know, they they just they were both in the band. It's as simple as that. I mean, yeah, they both
1: wanted to play and so after after the uh after the initial reunion tour, which they both played on their own, you know, the records that they played on. Um the, you know, the songs that they played on. And we decided to make an actual record, another record, we uh I mean they were both welcome to join in. I mean, we couldn't really say, Oh well, you know. You can play and you can't, so, and um, they're both you know fantastic drummers. So, so I mean, it's it's a good problem to have.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's really nice. Like it's unusual, but it's it's also really nice. Like I can't think of too many bands that where they you know different members have come and gone. Uh, I can't think of too many examples where all of the members are involved in uh on an album or on a reunion tour. I just. I I think that's unusual in some ways.
1: You know, I can't think of too many examples of that either. And, and I, I think that initially it's like, well, it seems kind of strange. And but we've toured that way. We just got done touring that way, and it worked out fine. Um, Mario's gone quite a bit, so he's he's in, involved with a few other things. So he uh, he he kind of comes when he can. And um, yeah, it seems to be working out so far. And, um, I mean, it's great to play with both of them. They're both amazing. So
2: Yeah.
3: I mean,
2: well, just to make another musical observation, uh, one thing that I noticed on this record, is, and it's occurred, I think, throughout the band's catalog in some ways, but it's kind of like, I think of it as the Hot Snake's organ. It's a, It's a very specific sound. It's usually three or four notes, and uh it it's i believe i believe it's uh, occurs on two songs on the new album
1: Yeah, um, there's 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 definitely keyboards on there um um i think gosh i don't know it's, I, I i don't i think that on i think it's on all of them yeah but, um
2: yeah i was trying to remember
1: it's a little bit it might be a little bit more i don't know a little more in the front than in uh, like the first record but uh, i i think that uh, all of them have a bit of the uh, a bit of keys on there
2: okay all right uh, yeah. I'll have to take your word for it i don't remember but uh <laughs> i kind <of> don't either <laughs> <laughs> i just i i noticed it and it reminded me of the first couple of records but you're probably right and who would know better than you you're in the band so it's probably on all the records i
3: think it is
1: yeah but i'm not, I'm not positive i'm pretty sure though
2: yeah and was there and who is that john who plays that Keyboard. Uh,
1: John does. John does
2: keyboard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a cool sound, and I associate it with the band somehow. It's like he does like very minor things, it seems. Not minor chords, but like just like it's like a haunting thing. Yeah.
1: It's a texture, you
2: know. It's a, it's a, it's a,
1: it has a little bit of atmosphere to things. So got to get that where you can.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, I I want to get into the uh, the album Jericho Sirens, uh, the music and whatnot, but uh, let's actually begin with the um, the cover art, which seems to be a, a photo a photograph <laughs> of uh, Gar uh, Garwood from uh, Hot Snake surfing. Uh, first of all, who who took this? It's a remarkable photo. Who took this photo?
1: Uh, a, a gentleman named Scott Weiner. That's W I N E R Scott. He's a surf photographer, and uh, he was. Gar was uh, surfing in a, I don't know, some exotic place, like Fiji or something like that. He, uh, there's, a, that's a, there's a backstory on that, but he was surfing and this guy happened to take pictures that out there in the water and said he would, I don't know, I don't know if he'd sell them to people or what, what, how he would do it or, but uh, I was searching for a cover idea, you know, as he, as usually I do some sort of drawing or illustration or design or something like that. And I was kind of coming up, kind of blank. wasn't really feeling anything, and um, and I at, at some point before I I'd, I'd, I'd seen that photo, I was like, you, "Do you have any more of those photos, Gar?" And he's like, "Yeah, I got a bunch of them." And he sent they sent the photo to me, and I saw the photo, and I'm like, "This is amazing." <laughs> so I thought it'd be I, I thought it'd be a, I mean I mean it's Gar. That's a pretty amazing wave, and it's it's like. That's a wave that would mess you up <laughs> if you make a mistake. <laughs> um, so I just thought it was a really cool, really intense image. I like waves. I had you know, I, I put waves on Obit's records and waves on Hopsnake's records and I like waves. Um I thought it was an amazing picture and it's gar, you know? And it's just gar shred menar. So it's it's just it's just it's just too good. And it's and it's um it's also it's also a super California looking cover, which I like. Do you surf? Absolutely not.
2: <laughs> no. I, do you do you? Fear- in Brooklyn. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> you can't go surfing in the East River or something. Probably that would be
3: weird. You can, you can go
1: surfing. You can go surfing in the, in the Rockaways and stuff like that. But like, man, <laughs> it doesn't look like it's that great to me. It's the water's all brown, and it's just it's just not. It's just not you know if you live in California and that's something else. It's it's even something more it's even something else if you're in Fiji or in Hawaii or something. But yeah, um, I don't surf now. I'm afraid of sharks and drowning.
2: Yeah, I was actually gonna ask if you were afraid of the water. I, I am actually afraid of the water and I mean just so people who, who don't know understand, you used to live in California so you know, did you spend a lot of time in the water? Would you would you did you go surfing at any point? Did you spend time at the beach and all that it's kind of stuff?
1: I spent a lot of time in the water. I didn't, I didn't, surfing is like a, like a cased thing. It's like, uh, and greasers and jocks and mods or whatever it is. Um, it's, it's kind of a, it's something we do. You're just sort of almost born into it. And I, and I didn't really have the, uh, I'm a, I'm a slight person. I I have a slight of stature. I don't, I don't, I I never was very, uh, 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 the surfer type. So I never really got into it that much. I did used to race BMX bikes, though.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. That's cool. Well, I I was back to the the artwork. This this is something of a departure for you in that you know you're a a very talented graphic illustrator. Normally, uh, Hot Snakes Records have featured your your illustrations. This is a photograph. This is a like I say, something of a departure. Was that difficult for you to come to this conclusion? Like you mentioned, I, I didn't have anything. I didn't have a, a solid idea. And then I saw this photograph. Was that a difficult uh, conclusion to reach that, uh, you know, I'm not going to be drawing something for the next Hot Snakes record?
1: Not really. I, I mean, the last Hot Snakes record is a live one. And it's a photo I took. And and, um, and it's two photos I took. And the, and the one in on the back is of, is of Gar. And it's an album. So it's not that much of a departure. Um, the Thunder Down Under one. Yeah. That probably not many people have seen. But, but that one is... Uh, It was pretty much the same kind of thing. I just, I just, I didn't want it to look the same. I want it to look a different way. And plus, it's just like it was a good image. So I just want it to be a good image and I want it to look like it's going to be a good record. So I thought that was a cool image. Yeah. No, well, it is. I I still do all the other artwork. I still designed it and I still blah, blah, blah. blah. So whatever.
2: (laughs) Okay. I want to ask you about each of the songs on Jericho Sirens. And I want to begin with the first one I need a doctor. I have come to realize recently that I have been going through some medical anxiety. That's just something I've observed and recognized in myself. And then I heard this song uh, when I was going through some things and I wondered if maybe that occurred to you. Are, do you have issues with sort of medical anxiety, things to do with your health? Are you, are you concerned about that on a somewhat regular basis? Well, I think it's the opposite
1: with that song because it's uh, it's about needing a doctor, <laughs> not not I'm scared of the doctor, <laughs> it's different. But your point, if your point is like, do I have anxiety about going? to... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I absolutely don't don't like going to the doctor or the dentist or or even getting out of bed. You know, I don't I don't, <laughs> don't want to go. I don't want to go those places. Those, those places are horrible places. They're worse than. Funeral homes.
2: Yeah, and when I hear the song, it, it does seem like you're kind of cataloging or, or mentioning all like a bunch of reasons why someone would feel compelled to to finally go to the doctor. But there's also within that, you know, an expression of like I don't want to go to the doctor. So I don't know. It kind of feels like it's a funny way of of dealing with that. That tension between I—I I think I have to go to the doctor, and I, but I don't want to go to the doctor. Maybe.
1: No, I would say it's more—it's more that, not not that I want to avoid that. I need to go to the doctor. It's not, <laughs> I want, it's not a matter of avoidance. At the point, I think, from that point of view of the of the singer, that uh, it's an option. <laughs> you know.
2: Ah, no choice.
1: No, no, there's no choice. I mean, unless the choice is like you can't go because. Can't afford to, or not available to you, but I don't want to analyze that too much, you
2: know. No, no, it's just it's just something I related to, so I wanted your insights on it.
1: I don't know. I I think it's like a a lot of. I mean, that's just like a a feeling that I don't know. I I don't know. I I care about people relating to it. I just, I just, it's just a feeling that just an exasperating feeling, and it just, it just came to mind. Hmm it was a it was a song that demanded an exasperating feeling
2: anyway <laughs> yeah you know yeah, yeah. that comes through heard yeah. this. Mm-hmm. okay i want to move on to the second song on uh, the record it's called candid cameras song, it's, it's called Candid Camera, so it reminded me of the old TV show Candid Camera, which is a bit before my time, but if I understand things correctly, it was a TV show where uh, normal people would be, would be doing normal things, but maybe in unaware, because they were unaware that there was a camera present in, in their presence, they would do things that would make them look foolish or it would be embarrassing for them, and if I recall correctly, that was the premise of the show. What does like uh, isn't, that, isn't
1: that horrible? What a horrible show! Like they just put a can, It's just like inspire someone in their one their, of their lowest of moments, and then and play it back to them in front of a live audience or whatever. It was what a horrible thing.
2: It, it was it was horrible. Now that you mentioned it, I guess I never really uh, thought of it that way. But yeah, it, it, yeah, that's you're you're very right. I mean, it was always yeah, it was always presented as a comedy show.
1: Yeah, I never laughed. I always thought. I just felt sorry for them. and you know, It was just the kind of thing was, you know, TV is on, my parents are watching it or whatever, I've been a kid. Um, but I never really thought that kind of humor was funny. I never thought that making people feel awkward and bad and ashamed is, is funny. It just that's, for some reason, that's not funny to me. I think people falling downstairs and stuff like that is funny, but it's not like the same as uh, making them like sort of catching them in their, you know, their lowest moment of their stupidity or whatever. I don't know.
2: That's really fascinating to me because when we get to the next song, which is called uh, Why Don't It Sink In, and I I don't want to go there yet, but I did make a note uh, uh, for that song because I I thought it was dealing with obliviousness. And I feel like there's a lot of comedy that that revels in that, that that notion of people being like, look how oblivious this person is to their own foolishness. Like a show like um, Curb Your Enthusiasm does that a lot. Like it's awkward and it's a lot about. Can you believe how oblivious this type of person must be to their own behavior? And I feel like there's a lot of comedy that kind of revels in that obliviousness and awkwardness. Right. But
1: that's, that's comedy. That's not real people like being set up on a fly. It's 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 uh, it's it's that's that's different. That that show that show is funny. He's funny. Hmm. Um, but I I don't think it's the same thing because it's it's acting. It's a show. It's not the same to me as as uh. I mean, there's you know, it's not it's, there's exceptions for sure, but uh, yeah. Just this I, notion I of being embarrassed,
2: point. like being embarrassed and uh, against your will—that that you find that distasteful, obviously.
1: Sure, but that's not the point of the song. Right. It's 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 uh, it's what is the point of the song? Well, I don't know if that song even have a, that song doesn't even have a point. I mean, it's like it's not one that I could. The problem with lyric questions is like you know, it's like it's like. Well, if you wanted to say these things, you just come out and say them. But if you want to allude to things or, or play with things, then it's kind of like you, can, you don't want to like, over explain them or else you just end up saying, first of all, the wrong thing. You know, lyrics are high school poetry. They're stupid. They're what, they're, they're what they are. They're not, they're, even meant to be, they're not meant to be read or even really understood. This sort of felt, you know, I think.
2: Yeah, and when I, um. when I feel this song, I just can't help but think of. Our sort of age of surveillance, right? There's a siren going by right now, which highlights (laughs) (laughs) the Um, authoritarian nature of what I was going to ask about. But
1: no, that's an ambulance.
2: Oh, it's an ambulance. Okay.
1: Oh yeah.
2: It's a loud one. Yeah, it's
1: coming here. Yeah, see, I didn't need a doctor. (laughs) Yeah, I just was straight
2: past. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, I hear what you're saying about the lyrics, but it did stick out to me that that maybe it might have something to do with this age of surveillance. That's all. I just was curious if you were making a comment on that.
1: Maybe more of a comment on, if, if any comments, just on the age of like people walking around and looking at the phones all the time. <laughs> I don't
3: know,
1: or or being able to, or recording everything in the moment it happens, as opposed to like just experiencing it, experiencing it, and you know, letting it go. Yeah. Yeah, maybe someone do that too. Yeah. Okay. Know.
2: already mentioned uh, the song why don't it sink in and it's uh it's gotten to me on a level of you know I'm trying to contemplate self-awareness more and and be uh, aware of uh how my actions impact other people like not to be oblivious about how uh, other people are impacted by what it is I say and do is that something that resonates with you is that something you ever contemplate for yourself
1: I think that song is more I think I understand you're saying but I think that, that song is more about uh something that should be really, really obvious to you that's really, really obvious it really doesn't seem to be or whatever, but it's really obvious to everyone else. And uh it just doesn't seem to sink in.
3: Hmm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. I do think that a major problem for us all still is when we leave our homes and have to interact with each other outside of the security of our homes. We we still have issues kind of working stuff out and like, you know, you can have road rage or someone cuts in front of you at the grocery store, and it's just like a people problem. It's like we still, we don't exactly get along, and we're kind of oblivious to that somehow.
1: I, I think, I think, yeah, I, th- I think that's completely true. But that again probably isn't the point of the
2: song. Sure, no, I, I appreciate that. I just wonder if that's the kind of thing that you contemplate uh, generally. You know, beyond beyond the song, is that something you ever think about? Um, yeah, I think there's a you know
1: to quote the I think it's I think it's a drummer for G G Allen's band and, and the Hated in the Nation thing where. Somebody asks, you know, what is this whole thing about and, uh, and he leans into the guy, you know, it was, it's kind of quiet and he's like, I think it's just about a certain lack of sweetness in the world, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, it's like that's kind of what it's about. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, okay. I can see that. I can see that. We uh, we should let's move on to the next song. It's called Six Wave Hold Down. I did some you know, I did some like internet research and I thought a, a two wave hold down was about the most complicated kind of hold down. So I don't even know if a six wave hold down is possible. Is a six wave hold down realistic? And has anyone ever accomplished this? Can can it be done?
1: Sure, people have. I think I think that as sort of a fan of surfing, I mean you, you see people on these enormous, enormous, enormous waves. They waves that that'd that be towed into by a jet ski. And they are, if, if if they, you know, come down on you, I mean, if you survive that, I mean, you know, like the 60-foot wave coming down and just crushing you. It, it's like it's, it's insane. And then what happens after that? Well, there's another, there's another set behind that, and, and they're going to keep coming. And like somehow you have to get out of that situation, and it's hard to get a jet ski in there because it basically turns into bubbles, and there's nothing for the jet ski to sort of jet through. It's just air. So it's, so it's really hard to get somebody out of that situation. And these people, these surfer people, crazy people, learn to uh, hold their breath for a long time and learn to sort of survive that and just do it all the time and, or often enough. And I thought that was just a fascinating thing. And, and having, and having since I, like I said, I'd, I have been in the water a lot. And it was, one da- it was one time when I got held down for a long time because I got sucked out over this, over this, over this reef, and I was just kind of that.
2: So you were saying earlier that you are afraid of the water, yet you are enamored of the waves. The waves uh, are impress you, and then within that surfing, I, I just am curious: Is it what is it about surfing that impresses you so much? Is it is it is it the kind of notion of not human ingenuity, but just the human the notion that humans have that I'm gonna that wave I'm gonna conquer that wave? Is, does that impress you? Is that what it is?
1: Sure, there's that, but I think I like I just like the waves themselves, and I like the surfing part because it gives the waves scale, ah. and uh, it makes you understand what it really is, and it's, it's just incredible to me.
2: Just that. You know, the the surfer people they tend to think that surfing is a a way of life. I think you were saying this earlier, right? It's like a way of life.
1: I think it's yeah, it's just it's your thing or it's not. I mean, it's like it's something that it, it definitely. I mean, you could you could get into this on Whatever level you want, I'm sure um, Oh, sorry, my roommate's cutting a hole in the ceiling.
2: That's okay. <laughs> um,
1: yeah I, I think yeah it's, I think you can I, I know people I know surfers, I know people who surf there's there's a difference, but it's uh, yeah, it's something you really get into, but I, I, like I said it I'm not really coming at it from the perspective of a surfer. I'm coming at it more probably from a perspective of somebody who's terrified of being drowned instead awful. <laughs> Drowned and crushed and broken to pieces on a reef in such a way, I think that's, I think that's truly uh, the stuff of horror movies.
2: Yeah, there's a, a kind of fragility involved in surfing that maybe needs to be considered. Yeah, heroic. you.
1: That would yes, that, yeah, be that be you and your your body, your cord. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, okay, well, let's move on to uh, the next song. It's it's Jericho Sirens, the title track. This song fascinates me for a few different reasons. Uh, among them, my understanding is that Jericho Siren or a Jericho Horn uh, was a kind of like a trumpet that would uh, the, the, they put on uh, Stuka uh, planes, a German dive bomber, which uh, was used during World War II. Is that right? Do I have that right? Is that your understanding? Yeah.
1: They were there to, uh, I don't know. I think they stopped using it at one point because having looked at it a little bit, they... People could hear him coming from too far away, and I don't think they could actually control him. I think it was just on the whole time. It was like hmm. but it was a terrifying sound. It was, it was designed to terrify people um, before they started dropping the bombs on them. Like if you look at Guernica, or like, you know, the, the painting, the famous Picasso painting of uh, Guernica being bombed by, that's the Germans bombing them, and they're bombing them with, they're using the sirens, and it causes that, that kind of horrible panic that that well, your enemy wants you
2: to have. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. Why? Why did this information interest you at this point in your life? Did you like come across it recently or something?
1: I think it's more about like a sort of uh, metaphor. <laughs> the my a personal metaphor to me. It it it, it reminds me of of uh, having tinnitus.
3: <laughs> oh.
1: And the idea was that the head tonight is so bad that somebody actually put their head up to your ear and hear it. And also, yeah, it's like a, I think that just like panic is the thing of the you know was the watchword of the day. Everyone's panicking. Everyone's freaking out. Everyone thinks uh, mm-hmm. the end is nigh. So, so it's kind of like everyone a mix of those things.
2: You say everyone. Does that I include you?
1: Um, no. But I feel a certain. I have a certain. I definitely feel. I, I feel like. Yeah, there's, there's a certain feeling of doom, but, uh, you know, that's, you know, who knows? I, I, it's it's like, I think it's just people looking at their phones too much, including me, and stuff like that, and uh, not actually looking at things around them, like, you know, life in general.
2: Yeah, it's creating a kind of internal anxiety.
1: Yeah, it's a collective anxiety.
2: Yeah. I think we're all suffering through that for sure. I have more questions about the song but just given our time I'm gonna I'm gonna move us along here to the next song a cheery little number called Death Camp Fantasy.
1: You know, sort of the same kind of thing as the last one, you know, just kind of like a lot of people are, uh, I think, yeah, people fantasize about the end of the world. just like people love these movies where, you know, the world is destroyed by a, an asteroid or a, an earthquake or a wave or a volcano or you know, the, the, the virus, you name it. I mean, it's just sort of, it's, I think it's people are concocting their own sort of scenarios uh, and are dedicated to them, you know?
2: strange way yeah yeah it's you know we we were we've been talking about the individual at one point we were talking about the collective and there's a a really interesting moment on this song where you say have i been preyed upon and then at one point you say everyone and then it, there, there's like a gang vocal uh where everyone joins you in, in this question have i been preyed upon which is a really Interesting question to have to ask ourselves at this point. Have we been preyed upon?
1: Well, I think, I think a lot of people feel they have been preyed upon and, 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 uh, you know, maybe maybe they're right. Maybe they have been, and and maybe we all have been on some level. I'm sure, you know, everyone feels like that. But, uh, the question is, does that justify, you know, death camps and things like that? (laughs) Um, um,
2: whatever yeah I yeah i feel like we're entering a realm of the record that is dark obviously after death camp fantasy it 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 starts to feel a bit dark and then the next song kind of adds to that darkness for me it's called having another of having another. There's this line, "I ain't your escort back to the grave," which is a fascinating thing to say. And I wonder if it's about perceptions of death, maybe, or or how one person's relationship with death might be different than than yours or the narrator of this song or something.
1: No, I think it's just me imagining a person who actually drinks more than me, who I would, would, would <laughs> wouldn't bother it. You know go down with down the toilet with it's like it's it's i don't know it's probably a song to myself (laughs)
2: how how are you doing health-wise these days rick if i might ask i'm here i'm ambulatory (laughs) upright i'm good you don't need a doctor currently not in the moment i'm good okay okay while we move on to the next bright and cheery song death doula intrigued by the notion of a death doula. I'd never heard of this. I've heard of uh, a birth yes. doula. Is there such a thing as a death doula? Uh,
1: I never knew about the birth doula. I, I only heard about the death doula because a friend of mine became one. And, um, well, she was really patting herself on the back because she was, you know, experiencing death and, and the passing of these people and it's so beautiful and they love me so much. And I, was, I was just thinking, what if they don't? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't know about the birth I only knew about the death I, you... and I just thought it sounded funny.
2: Yeah, no, no, it it is funny to me, but I, it occurs to me as we're speaking that if I think back on your various bands and, and the things you've written about, often you've covered medical stuff or uh, me- medical institutions, medical practices on some level. We've talked about that already on on this record. Do you have a particularly strong stance on, you know, the medical establishment or medical practices, uh, like this notion of a death doula helping someone with the end of their life is funny, but is there an edge there? Like, is there a pointed perspective you're trying to convey?
1: It's just a coincidence because, like I said, I know someone a good friend of mine who was doing it. And and, um, I I like the way the the words death doula sounded, so I sort of went from there.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, again, I think that same... Critical eye that that you've shone on something like a death doula uh, feeds into the next song, psychoactive. Because your country is so strange right now, I've been watching more CNN, and which is not good. The news is never good. And I was just in a hotel room recently uh, for four days, so I, I just had CNN on in the background. And what really, like, again, the news is bad, and that's expected. But what really struck me is that all the commercials are for drugs, and uh, they're about uh, how you feel bad, and you need to take drugs. And the drugs all have these ridiculous side effects and it's Those a, are
1: actually my favorite commercials. Just this, they're hearing the, they call it some, <laughs> whatever oily <laughs> anal discharge or whatever like <laughs> the the side effects are worse than the disease. Yeah. Yeah. Uh that song. No. It was not about the pharmacy. That's about the uh, sort of more of the sort of uh uh it's coming from friends who are who are really into sort of uh, the psychedelic warrior thing where they're people taking D M T and uh ayahuasca things like that um, and sort of sort of, there's a yeah, kind of culty mentality around it and um, you know I have friends who have this mentality and and they're fun to talk to and it's interesting but you know it's just something it's something people get into almost like they get into yoga or something like that and um, and you know all the what, attendant gurus and things like that that come along with it and and all the podcasts and all the Ted talks and all this stuff or whatever about uh expansion of your mind. And, you know, that stuff is, and I have to say, all that stuff just totally terrifies me. I, I, like taking like some drug that just makes you disappear for whatever. Uh, if even 50 minutes and and makes you lose all track of time. And, it's just, it just sounds sketchy to me.
2: <laughs> I mean, you say you're terrified of it. Is that based on your own personal experience? Like, have you ever experienced anything like that?
1: Uh, yeah, I've taken psychedelics. Like, We're like, you know, mushrooms and acid and things like that. But like DMT and ayahuasca where You know, ayahuasca is this whole thing where you have to go, you have like a shaman and you have to go and have a meeting first and discuss it and you have to have a certain diet. And you go, so you show up this thing and they make this tea out of God knows what different herbs and spices from Brazil or... Peru or something like that, and and then uh, you drink this tea and you throw up and shit on yourself and hmm. and then uh, you, you go on this whole psychedelic journey, um, which can be completely terrifying or completely marvelous or a combination of all these things. And I have, you know, I, I respect the bravery of these people who do this stuff and, and their and their dedication to the to whatever it is. But um, I, it just sounds kind of also kind of terrifying to me. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and and like, kind of maybe high risk, low reward kind of
3: thing. I don't
2: know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I'm asking you these questions. I know you're, you're deferring here and there, and I I appreciate the time you're putting into these answers because I I do think of you as a really subtle observational songwriter. Like I that appeals to me. Yeah. Uh, I I kind I, I kind of know what you're talking about, and I like that. I only kind of know, but I do think you're talking. I think there's bigger picture stuff going on. It's going
1: to become more mainstream. This what I'm talking about very soon, and you're going to hear more and more about it. And it's uh, it's something that people are sort of. I think people are are. I don't know if it's escapist necessarily. I don't like call it that. It's not. Hmm. That's sort of not fair. But it it is it is a way to sort of go in instead of going out into the world, which seems like just like you know a mess to people. Yeah. Um. And uh, that there must be more to life and. All that, than what's uh, been, you know, made available to us through whatever, conventional channels—religion, yeah. yeah. politics, that um, Okay. So yeah, that's that's sort of that's sort of what that
2: was coming from. Okay, so. let's move on to the final song on the album. It's called "Death of a Sportsman." <laughs> Take on this song "Death of a Sportsman" is that it's it's it, it seems like almost like a narrative, uh, like a straight. It's like a story. Is it based on a, an actual story in any way?
1: Kinda, yeah. It's kind of like uh, there's like a little free. Li- I was just, I was, I had to write some lyrics for this song, but we didn't have any, and I I, I I found this. Uh, there's like a little free library that sometimes, I don't know if they have these in Toronto or wherever you, or Guelph or whatever they they put. Uh, you like know, I could make a little glass box with a little roof. It looks kind of like a little, you know, like little dollhouse or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like everyone, yeah. everyone in the neighborhood right. has one? Yeah. Right, right. Okay. 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 Yeah, in Canada, I'm sure that's great. Um, anyway, there was one close to the studio, and I just walked over, and I was like, hmm, let's see what's in here. And I, I found one that was uh, basically, uh, I don't know, a book from a sort of, maybe, maybe the turn of the century, the 19th century, I'm not sure, about maybe maybe later than that, early 20th century. Sort of imperial Brit thing where, I don't know, some guy who went around to uh, different villages in, in different parts of India to kill man eating tigers hmm. because it was a real problem, apparently. And I just, I just, you know, I read a little bit of it and I thought, God, what an asshole this guy is. <laughs> and I I, 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 uh,
2: oh, that's this is where
1: the, it comes is from.
2: <laughs> this is the story about the tiger that followed the guy?
1: Uh, just, yeah, just like, a... just, yeah, kind of, sort of. He, he
2: maybe, tracked maybe him, that. right? The tiger tracked him.
1: No, it's it's I think it's
2: Oh, it's a different one.
1: Yeah, well, it's
2: it's it's not I mean, a, a story that you know? Yeah, there's a famous I, I mean, I there's a famous book. Uh, I thought I think it might have been written by a Canadian actually. And it's like a I don't know. it's, there, a, it's, it's it, about a guy It might be. Who, it, it, it's like a okay, guy then, he finds a tiger in a village and he's hunting him and then it changes like the tiger starts tracking him. No.
1: No, this is about a guy. This is this is this is a this is a work of non-fiction and he and he's and he's just basically documenting all the different tigers he's killed in all the different places in India oh. and uh, the process and how he did it and how how bad the tiger was and how many children to date and et cetera et cetera et cetera. And maybe you know maybe you know maybe there was a problem you know there's tigers everywhere, and' something about it. but um
2: do do you say that because there's no judgment of hunting in the song
1: uh I don't know i i I, did, I got to go to Africa once when I was about you know. Actually, around the time hot snakes ended, and uh, I got to see all these animals—not tigers, obviously, because there aren't the tigers in Africa—but but I just felt uh, there's a problem with people killing them um, for for trophies, for I don't know, boner medicine, for it, it, all <laughs> kinds of things, right? Meat, actually, too, like you know, all kinds of things. And um, and I and I, it felt having seen it in person how amazing it is and knowing that it's you know, disappearing every day probably colored my impression of this guy who was going out killing tigers, you know. Yeah. It's like and, and a person that does that kind of thing in general. I mean I know people who are have to eat, have to eat, have to make money, have to make money trying to get out of the situation. So let's go get some ivory, let's do this, whatever I, I you know, that's that's awful. Mm. Um but at the same time, it's it's a uh, it'd be a shame if the animals are all gone. They <clears throat> they've gone for such silly reasons.
3: Yeah. Well,
2: there are lots of really interesting characters and and ideas on Jericho Sirens. I I think the for what it's worth, I, I think the record's incredible. I can't stop listening to it. I, I'm just so glad you guys are back. I know you have tour dates uh, going right now, uh, and uh, there's some in the for the foreseeable uh future there's a, there's a bunch of tour dates uh but uh beyond that um do you have plans to talk about what's going on with hot snakes uh in the, the for the rest of the of the year at least
1: I think it's I think we're going to be touring all year so it's it's just they're going to they're going to start coming out the dates and stuff we um we'll, we'll be gone i mean yeah. we, we signed up for it so <laughs> uh
2: i assume you're excited that uh, you know, as someone who's gotten to speak with you a bunch, Rick, and, and gets to talk to you uh, about your work, uh, it sometimes I have to admit it's sometimes hard to tell when you're excited about stuff. But uh, I, and and that leads me to like, I mean, I'm we're all excited. The fans of the band are excited. Are you particularly stoked that Hot Snakes are back?
1: I like it a lot, but I you know, I try to think take tickets one you know one day at a time and you know, be realistic about things. It's like, I mean, anything can happen in these situations and you know, enjoy it in the moment, just like you enjoy your day in the moment. That's yeah. that's kind of like that's kinda of how I think about it. I mean obviously you have to plan for it and try to make it as best as it can be and blah 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 But um uh yeah, I'm just I don't know, I'm just, I mean it's not I'm not all. Uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a low key person.
2: <laughs> you are. And you I, are. I appreciate that too. And I don't mean to make you uncomfortable. But suffice to say, I, I think I'm, you're. I, think. I, I hope you know people are stoked. And I'm among them. So it's great. Uh, is there one song from Jericho Sirens that you might choose for us to play for people right now in its entirety?
1: Sure. Sure. Play, uh, play Death Doula. I don't think anyone's, anyone's heard enough to that. So.
2: Okay, death doula, and that's just because of the, the, your friend is a death doula. I think we established that. That's the one. All right. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, it's, we're trying. You're trying to, you know, you're trying to live this with metaphor and make it cooler than, you know, just like you know, that's the problem with answering questions about lyrics. You're just like, oh, now, now, still breaking. No, no, I,
3: I,
2: I think you were vague enough. I hope people are intrigued by what you said. And I, well, whatever. Who cares? We'll just play it. We'll play Death Dula. (laughs) This is Death Dula by Hot Snakes. Rick, uh, thank you for being back on the show, and best of luck with everything.
1: Okay, man. Talk to you soon.
2: Thanks again to Rick Froberg of Hot Snakes for being on this, the 383rd episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and available on all iOS and Android platforms and also on audioboom.com. I don't know if you can tell, Hot Snakes mean a lot to me. And if you if you don't know or if you had never heard it, uh, you might want to know that uh, back in 2015, I actually made a, a documentary about Drive Like Jehu, which is uh, Rick's uh, other band, one of his other bands and uh it's it covers the whole spectrum of drive like jehu into hot snakes it's uh, episode i think it's episode 217 let me just look that up i had it up here i don't know where it went oh there it is episode yeah 217 do you compute the story of drive like jehu october 8th 2015 the uh, website is telling me so if you haven't heard that give yourself a couple hours and listen to that I think it's the best thing I've ever made I do. I honestly believe that so check it out alright where was I oh yeah if you can't find an episode of the, the, the show that you're looking for if you want to learn more about me or sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter please visit vishkana.com v-i-s-h-k-h-a-n-n-a dot com you can like Creative Control with Vishkana on Facebook follow us on Twitter at Creative with a k or Vishkana. You can follow me there as well. Listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world on CFRU.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, thanks again to everyone who has pledged to this show uh, via the uh, Patreon page we have. If you'd like to do so, it would be really appreciated. Please visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation and keep the uh, podcast going. It's a modest effort. A modest pledge would be uh, very helpful, so please consider doing that. I'd like to uh, thank uh, my sponsors again. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, which are all in Guelph, Ontario. Go check them out. Also, Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. Wonderful donut uh, place. One of the best, if I might say. And new sponsor, Planet of Sound. Stereo equipment, home theater equipment... Vinyl Records, unbelievable place. They have locations in Ottawa and Toronto, and they are now sponsoring the show. So thanks to Planet of Sound. I'd like to thank all of you for listening to this show and reviewing it and rating it and downloading episodes of the show. Downloading episodes of the show is very huge, so thanks for doing that and uh, and also for spreading the word about it. And that's all I have to say. I will talk to you very soon. Goodbye for now.